life. And um, how many of y'all know it's important, it's very important, what we do with the Word of God, how we treat the Word of God, our response to the Word of God. Um, it's, it's so important. I said last week, what you do with the Bible will, will determine what God does with you. And so um, we, need to, uh, we need to make sure that we have the proper attitude for the, to the Word. And um, it's amazing. I think it would probably amaze a lot of us uh, here tonight if we knew how many Christians never do read the Bible. Never read the Word of God. Uh, there's some Christians that the only Scripture they ever get or ever hear, and, that, and none of y'all, none of, none of you guys, but so, some Christians, the only Scripture they ever get is what they get on Sunday morning. And uh, they never get anything else from the Word of God. They never um, listen to it or read it or anything. And, and that's just a dangerous place to be. We need the Word of God. It's so vitally important. I heard the other day, um, somebody made this statement. I don't remember who it was, but I was listening to someone the other day, and they said that, uh, you know, anybody here read Kindle books? I mean, since Kindle came out, I don't buy, I do buy some uh, regular books, but most of my books are digital now. But anyway, um, the, the thing come out, and if you, if you read books on a Kindle, you'll know that you'll be reading along, and there'll be some parts of a Kindle book that have little dotted lines under it. Well, that's telling that that was a part of that book that was highlighted by so many people. A lot of people liked that part of the book. And, uh, but but the, the, uh, the guy went on to say that still the number one, the number one best-selling book on Kindle was the Bible. I, I kind of thought, well, that was, that's good. I was glad to hear that. I was surprised to hear that. But still the Bible's the number one bestseller. Well, you know, but people need to read it. Read it, amen. <laughs> they need to get on there and read it. But you know, the number one top verse that was highlighted uh, by, by, by so many people was Philippians 4 and 6. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. So that was a concern of most people is they're dealing with worry and they have to pray. But my point is the Bible's still a bestseller. Everybody's got a Bible. Everybody pretty much has a Bible in their house. But it's not having a Bible in your house or having one on your coffee table or having one, you know, at church. It's, it's how much of this Bible you get out of here and get inside here and how much of it we live out in our life and apply to our life. And this is our, this is our food right here, ladies and gentlemen. This is what keeps me going. I don't know about you, but this is what keeps me going. If it wasn't for the Word, I, I don't know what I'd do. I was, I was excited and I'd come in, see Nicholas here, and he was sitting up here, you know, and, and uh, was reading his Bible. He was sitting there reading his Bible. And I thought, man, that's great. A new convert needs to be reading their Bible and hiding the Word of God in their hearts. So that's what we're talking about. And so you surely have found James 1 by now. James chapter 1 and uh, verse number 21 is where we're going to read from. Verse number 21 through verse number 25. James 1, 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness 
and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul, your souls. But be you doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man, beholding his natural face in a glass, or in a mirror, for he beholds himself, and goes his way, and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso, look at verse 25, but whoso looketh, and that word looketh means to gaze intently, to gaze intently. Whoso looketh, gazes intently into the perfect law of liberty, and and here's the important part, and continues therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed, or woman, this man or woman, this person, this individual shall be blessed in his deed. That's why I said what you do with the Bible will determine what God does with you. Because the end of that passage says that when we treat the Bible like James said there, that that person will be blessed in their deed. Everybody wants to be blessed. Anybody who doesn't want to be blessed, everybody wants to be blessed. And so that's where the blessing comes from. That won't, you know, you won't have to, you won't have to write off and send off for somebody's 12 CD series on how to be blessed or live the blessed life. I just read it to you from the Bible right there to take the Word of God and apply it to your heart and life, live it out, be obedient to it, and you'll be blessed in everything that God will bless your life. Well, we could close up shop and go home right now, and you've got the key, Lord, to, to, a, to a blessed life. Amen. But we're, we're talking about welcoming the word, receiving the word. And that word, uh, receive the engrafted word, we said last week where James said to receive the engrafted word, that word receive means to welcome as you would welcome someone into your home. As you would open up your home to a guest, you know, if I came to your, you know, if I came to see Joe and Vicky and knocked on the door and they opened the door and said, there's Pastor Rick, uh, yeah, hurry up and slam the door and lock it. We don't want him in here. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that wouldn't be a very good welcome, would it? But, but, you know, to welcome somebody, a guest into your home, someone that you're familiar with, someone you know that comes to see you and you're happy to see them and you open up the do- your house and home and you welcome them in. And that is what that word receive, that's the picture that it gives. And that's how we're to react and how we're to treat the word of God. When we're reading it, when it's being preached, when it's being taught, we're to welcome the word and receive the word of God into our hearts and into our lives. So we said number one last week, there were, I, I told you there were four ways that James mentions here how that we are to receive the Word of God. And the first one that we mentioned last week is this, that we are to receive the Word of God or welcome the Word of God with a repentant heart, with a repentant heart. And uh, he said there, you know, in, that, in those verses that we're to lay aside the overflow of wickedness. We're to strip off everything that is, that is unclean or that, that is vile. We're to lay, up, lay aside any filth. We're to be, how many knows God's people are to be clean, spiritually, morally clean? Amen? 
That's, that's, that's what the Bible teaches us. And so James is saying here that we receive the Word of God with a repentant heart. Now I mentioned to you last week, you know, we, we, we all had to repent to get born again. Isn't that right? To get saved, there's repentance involved. I don't know, but I think maybe that might be the problem with a lot of folks today who maybe are just saying a sinner's prayer, but there's no repentance involved. And the Bible teaches us that we have to repent of our sin and accept Jesus Christ. Repent, believe the gospel, the Bible says. Accept Christ, confess Him as Lord, and we'll be saved. Repentance means to make an about face. It means to turn around, go the other direction. You, you were going this way, but when you repent, you, you stop heading that way, doing what you were doing, and you turn around and go the other direction. So I had to repent, um, and so did you, to get born again, to get saved. But you know what? Since I've been saved, and all the years that I've been saved, do you know what? Brother Wayne, I've still... There, I still had to repent at times for things. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, I know there's teaching today that, say, that, that says that once you're born again, once you're saved, you never have to ask the Lord to forgive you because if you sin, it's just automatically covered and you never have to ask any forgiveness. But, you know, the Bible does not teach that. Amen? So I just have to remind everybody of that, that the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us that, that we're not to sin. 1 John 2, 1 says that. But then it also goes on to say, if any man, any believer, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So since I've been saved... Since you've been saved, there's been times we've had to repent, ask God to forgive us, and lay some things aside. Amen? Amen. Lay off some things. Residue of, of, of the old life has to be stripped off. Remember we talked about last week about, about Lazarus being raised, Jesus raised him from the dead, gave him life, and which was a type of us being raised from spiritual death to life. But when he came out of the tomb, he came out with grave clothes. He came back, he came to life, he was alive, but he still had the remnants of death. He still had the smell of death. He still had the clothes of death. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. So then they had to unwrap him and take all of the strip off of him, all of the residue of the tomb. And listen, throughout our life, after we're born again, the process of sanctification that we're going through is, is stripping off the old remnants of the old life and and, and we're becoming more and more like Jesus every day. Come on, we should be being conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when, we, when we're reading the Word, the Word's being preached, and it hits us, and it shows us something wrong, we need to receive it with a repentant heart and say, Lord, I'm sorry for doing that. Forgive me. Amen? Stripping aside, laying aside the things that are, that are, that are unclean. We've got to keep our heart. Listen to me, church. We've got to keep our heart. In the day and the hour which we're living today, 
Uh, I mean, well, the way the culture of this world is, the wickedness of this world is getting greater all the time. We've got to keep our heart clean and pure and right before the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to stay under the blood. We've got to stay full of the Holy Spirit and, and stay full of the Word of God. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. So that's re- a repentant heart. But number two... We receive the Word of God or we welcome the Word of God, secondly, with a receptive heart. A receptive heart. Notice what James said in verse 21. He said, receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. Receive with, and here's the, here's the word right here, receive Welcome the Word with meekness. That's, y'all are real excited tonight. (laughs) When we think about that word meekness, do you know what that word meekness there means? It means a spirit of submissiveness and teachability. It's a teachable spirit. Well, that's my prayer, Lord. Give all your people a teachable spirit. Do you? I know, again, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, and nobody here uh, would fit this description, but do you know that there are some people that are just not teachable? (laughs) You can't tell them nothing. They know everything. Amen? You can't teach them anything. But this is what James is dealing with here and talking about having a receptive heart. And he says to, re, to welcome the word with meekness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. And that word meekness means a gentle, submissive, teachable spirit. And listen, I as a pastor, as a, as a pastor of a church, I can help anybody that's teachable, Amen. that wants to be taught. And, and, you know, any pastor is the same way. You can, you can help somebody that wants help. You can help somebody that wants to be taught. But, but, but otherwise, if that individual is not willing to, to be taught the Word of God or receive or welcome the Word of God, then none of them, no amount of teaching is going to do them any good or help them in any way. How many agree with that? And when we get to that place, anytime a person gets to that place where they cease to be teachable, where they come to a place where, they, where, where they're, you, you just can't help them, they're not submissive. That's where humility comes in and submissiveness, uh, submissiveness comes in because our spirits and our wills and our desires have to be submissive to God and to the Word of God. And and we've got to come to that place where we say, Lord, I want you to teach me. Listen, every time we come to church, we we need to come with that attitude. Lord, I want to learn something from your word today. I want to learn something about Jesus. So open up my heart and, and teach me. And so, you know, if we get to that place, anybody that comes to that place where they cease to be teachable, they will cease to grow spiritually. You cannot grow and develop spiritually if you're not willing to be taught the Word of God. Amen? So don't be uh, set in your ways 
and get in that place where you say, well, you know, I'm, I've heard all that. I know all that. I've, I, I, I can't, you know, I don't want to hear no more of that. I, I've, I know it all. We, none of us know it all. We're always learning. You know, Paul talked about a group of people that in the last days would be ever learning, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. They're always hearing the word, but they're not being, they're not receiving it. And they're not being teachable. And so I I pray God give us a group of people here that will be teachable. Amen. That word meekness was used too. Back, you know, uh, it's used in um, in the area of horse training and horse breaking. You know, when they take when a, when the cowboy or whatever would take, they'd get that wild stallion, and they'd have to they'd have to they'd have to break that stallion so he could have a a halter put on him or a harness and a bit and a bridle and a saddle. I mean, the first time uh, that a person would get up on that, that stallion, he'd try to throw him off, wouldn't he? He would jump and he would buck and he would run and because he was wild. He didn't want, he didn't want uh, anybody riding him. So he had to be trained. He had to be broke. And that was one of the words they would use when they would break a horse. What they'd say that that, that horse had been meek. It had been meeked. In other words, it was power. It still had the same power. That horse still had the same power and the strength and the ability. But now that power and that strength of that horse had been brought under control. It could be, it could be, uh, uh, be used in a, in a right way, in a good way. And so that's the way it is with, with us as believers. God wants us to be under His control. That's what meekness is. That's a fruit of the Spirit is meekness. That's a submissiveness uh, and an obedience and a yieldedness and a teachableness that we have to God. And that's a fruit of the Spirit. So God wants us to receive the Word of God with meekness. Jesus said in John 7 and 17, he said that, that those that would do His will would know the doctrine. And, I, and I've heard people say, you know, why well, I, I read the Bible, they just can't understand it. Well, you know, here's the thing about that. Um, is you don't need to worry about the parts of the Bible that you don't understand. What you need to do is read the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, be teachable, and then the parts of the Bible you do understand, you obey that and do that. And you know what? As you do that, God will teach you more and open up more and give you more understanding. Jesus said, those that do the will of God will know the doctrine. So when we're willing to be obedient and willing to be teachable and willing to receive and welcome the Word with a teachable spirit, God will show us more. The Holy Spirit will teach us more. We can grow in the things of God. We'll become more like Jesus. How many wants that in your life? Amen. Receive with teachability and meekness the engrafted Word with, of God. So we've got to have a repentant heart. We've got to have a receptive heart. And then the the third one is we've got to have a responsive heart. Not only do we, do we receive the word, but there, there's, listen, there's got to be a response from us to the word of God. What do you mean by that, Brother Rick? Verse 22. This is, should, this is everybody's favorite verse. But be ye doers... Of the word. 
But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. In other words, you know what he's saying there? Don't just be a listener, but be obedient to the message of the Word of God to the message of the Bible, amen, to obey the Word. That's what I mean by, by welcoming the Word of God with a responsive heart, to be a doer and not a hearer. Because if you don't respond, here's the thing, church. If we don't respond and obey what we hear, James said we're self Deceived. Is that what he said? Deceiving our own self. Because God's Word has got to be realized, it's got to be obeyed, and it's got to be put into practice in our life. Thank God for reading it. We need to study it. We need to hear it preached. We need to put it in our ears, put it before our eyes, and get it in our heart, but then we need to put it into practice in our everyday life. That's when it does, that's the responsiveness to the Word. And that's what James is teaching us here in this passage and when he says, don't just be a listener, but be, be obedient to what you hear. Be a doer of the Word. Amen? Continue. What was it Jesus said in, in John 8, 31? He said, if you continue in my word, then you shall be my disciples indeed. So there has to be a, a continuance. That, that verse right there ought to tell us that just, you know, the initial getting saved is wonderful and great, but there's more to it than that. Jesus said, you've got to continue in my word. If you want to be my disciple indeed, and what is a disciple? What is a disciple? Jesus said that we're to make disciples. A disciple is a, is a learner. It's a student. It's, the word disciple means a disciplined one. And so we're to be disciples of the Lord. And if we're to be disciples of the Lord, then we're, how do you do that? You continue in His Word. We, we, you know, we, we have talked about this, about, you know, discipling people and discipling young Christians. It's good to see these young believers up here on the front row, hearing the Word of God. This is discipling right here. We're, we're, I'm up here, you know, teaching the Word, and you're out there learning the Word, and uh, that's how you get discipled. You've got to be taught, and you've got to learn. You've got to, you know, I just, I, my prayer is, God... Put a desire in people's heart. To, you know, there's no reason for a Wednesday night service to not be filled to capacity. But the problem is, and a Sunday night service either or a Sunday morning, but the problem is people have too many other things that are more important in their life than the Word of God is. Amen. I'm not claiming to be the best Bible teacher or preacher in this mineral area, but, but I, I will guarantee you one thing. When you come to abundance, my family church, you will hear what's in this book. Amen. I will do my best to give you something, to give you something you can chew on, something you can take home with you. Praise God. I, I'm not just going to feed you cotton candy all the time. Amen. Amen. Thank God for dessert. But man, I tell you what, I, 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 <laughs> I like some meat and potatoes. Amen. How about you? 
I like to get into the, the good stuff and we need that. We need the sincere milk of the word. We need the meat of the word. We need the vegetables. From, we need the full counsel of God and desire that if we're going to grow and be strong and listen to me, saints of God, we, the day is coming and I, I'm, I'm, I've been praying about Sunday morning's message and, and God's been just kindly speaking to me about some things. But listen to me. There is a time. Should the Lord tarry, there is a time, there is some persecution that's going to come to the United States of America up on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there ever, there may be a day coming in this nation where they may take your Bible away from you. Well, you better make sure you've got some of it hidden away in your heart. Amen. God is, is getting his church ready. He's building us up. He's strengthening us. He's, he's filling us full of the word of God. So we'll be ready for whatever comes our way. Can I get an amen? amen. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Oh, listen, listen. Jesus said this very same thing in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 21. He said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's a pretty frightening verse there. Amen. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out devils in your name? And that's why we, you know, we believe in signs and wonders. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in, in, in the gift of prophecy. We believe in casting out devils and the gifts of healing and all that. But I'm not following those things. And I'm not basing my, my, my I'm not following people because of the signs that follow them. Are you listening to me? I follow and listen to people that preach the Bible and preach the truth regardless of what kind of signs they got following. Anybody see the, the big deal about the, those two guys that had the Bible that was seeping oil? Did you see, anybody see any of that? For two years? Well, I'm not going to take time to go, go into that. But it would, turned out to be a sham. People were claiming to get healed by this Bible. It, was, it had oil coming out of it, and they'd lay this oily Bible on their head, and they said they were healed of cancer and all this. And they were, this went on for the last, since 2017, almost three years. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, they, they finally found out they, they had on camera these guys buying gallons of mineral oil from the tra local tractor supply. And they were, they were putting mineral oil. It was just plain old mineral oil. It was a sham. I'm not following after shams. That ain't even a part of my message. But I'm not. Jesus said there'll be those that'll say, we've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've done, hadn't we done a, a lot of work, wonderful works in your name? And he'll say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you work iniquity. Now here's what I want to get to, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever, Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, therefore listen to what Jesus says. Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. That kind of sounds like what James was talking about. I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded on a rock. 
and everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not. That's the hearer, the listener, but not the obeyer, not the doer. He does them not. He just snuffs it, fluffs it away, you know, snuffs it off and says, well, I, I don't think that's important. And he builds his house and there was no difference in these two houses. Both these houses were the same except for one major difference and that was the foundation. One foundation was on a rock. One foundation was on a sand. The storm came to both houses. One was still standing after the, after the storm passed by and the other one was collapsed and destroyed after the storm passed by. Amen? And he said that, that, that house that, that built upon that sand, it said that, uh, that, that the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. See, that's what we've got to do is make sure we're building on the right foundation. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the foundation. Amen? And in order for us to build on him, he said, you've got to hear my words and do what I said. Hear it and do it. Listen and obey. Hear and receive and respond and put it into practice in your life. When we do that, we're putting down a firm foundation and planting our feet on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the storm comes and the wind blows and the floods beat against our house, praise God, I got news for you, we'll be built to last. That storm's not going to last forever, but when it passes over, we're still going to be standing because we're on the rock of Christ and His eternal Word. Woo, that's a responsive heart. Obeying and responding to the Word of God. Doing what it says. Not just to hear. And Jesus said that the person that hears and doesn't do and builds on the sand is a foolish person. A fool. That's what he said. Hallelujah. Now, if you say that to somebody, they're going to accuse you of no telling what. <laughs> i got to close here. We've got one more, don't we? So we welcome the Word with a repentant heart, a receptive heart, a responsive heart to do what He said. But then, last of all, we welcome the Word of God with a reflective heart. What do you mean, Brother Rick? Look at verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not, not a doer, he is like, an, like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he not being a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man, this person shall be blessed in his deeds. The Bible gives us gives us a lot of different metaphors. There are a lot of different metaphors throughout the Scripture that are given for the Bible. Jeremiah said that the Bible was like a hammer that beats, cr crushes the rock. Um, 
The Bible's referred to as being a lamp. Thy word, the psalmist said, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, the word of God is manna. It's bread. It's, Jesus said, Jesus said, uh, quoting from Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it's, it's our bread. It's referred to as seed sown in the heart. The soil of the heart. It's referred to the Word of God as called a sword. A sharp, two-edged sword. He said it's the sword of the Spirit. Do you know that's the only, and I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but do you know that's the only offensive weapon that we have? in the armor of God. All the other armor, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, uh, the girdle of truth, the shoes of peace, all of the other armor that we've been given by the Lord in our spiritual battle and spiritual warfare is defensive armor to protect us from the attacks of the enemy. And thank God for that. But the only offensive piece of equipment we've been given, the only offensive weapon to go out and attack with to drive the devil back with, to defeat the enemy with, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so it was, it, was the, it was the Word of God that Jesus used to defeat Satan in the wilderness, was it not? It was three. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus took three verses of Scripture from the book of Deuteronomy and ran the devil off. You've, you've, got, you've got an Old Testament, a New Testament, you've got all the Word of God. There's no reason for us being defeated by the devil because we have a sword to defeat him with. Amen? Use the Word of God against him. He cannot stand up to a believer, to a child of God that knows his Bible and that will pull out the sword of the Spirit and look the devil eyeball to eyeball and say, you lying devil, it is written. This is what the Word of God says. Hallelujah. You can drive him back with the sword of the Spirit. Amen. Praise God. But listen. Here James is not talking about a sword. He's not talking about a, a hammer. He's not talking about seed or bread or, or a lamp or anything else. But he says the Word of God is a mirror. Ooh, how many knows what we use a mirror for? Huh? To see ourselves. And not only just to see ourselves, but, you know, if we were perfect and never needed any improvement, we wouldn't even need a mirror, would we, Brother Jim? If I could get up in the morning and my hair looked like it does right now. You ladies too know what I'm talking about, don't you? You, you, you wouldn't need a mirror, glory to God. You wouldn't need a mirror because everything would be perfect. There, here's the point. There wouldn't be anything to change or to improve or to correct about your appearance. Uh, if, you, if you were perfect, you wouldn't need a mirror. Thing is, we need a mirror. Don't we? You've seen, you know, here I'm going to talk about shaving. You can tell I do a lot of that. But, <laughs> but you know, um, you guys that have sha that shave, and I do shave my neck and stuff, but I use electric razor now. But when using a, a, a blade, you ever nick yourself? 
and, and, and you'd cut yourself a little bit, nick yourself, and, and uh, bleeding, and you'd reach over and get a piece of toilet paper. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> anybody ever? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Have you, anybody ever done that but me? And you get a piece of toilet paper and stick it on there, you know, to get it to stop bleeding? And, 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 and have you ever seen anybody? Have you ever been, go to work? and see some man at the office that still had that piece of toilet paper on there? He forgot all about it. You know why he forgot all about it? Because he saw it in the mirror when he was shaving, but he went away and he forgot what manner of man he was and he forgot to take that off and he, he forgot. It's, 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 it's like James is saying, you know, you, 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 you're like a guy, like a person that goes up and you just glance in the mirror. You know, when you get up first thing in the morning and you... You go in to brush your teeth and you, uh, you flip on the light and you look in the mirror and whoa. <laughs> well, you know, you just glance in and you see what you look like and then you go back and you gaze into it and you, stay, you look intently into it so you can change what's wrong before you go out in public. Amen. You don't want to go out in public looking like you do when you first got up. How many knows that? We're all got a little bit of vanity, don't we? Glory to God. So the mirror shows you what you need to improve. And that's what he said. The word, you, you heard the old story about the old, the old hillbilly that found a mirror, never seen a mirror in his life, you know, kind of like Jed Clampett, you know. One of my favorite old shows, the Beverly Hillbillies, but, 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 but the old hillbilly out there in the woods, and he found, he, was, he found a mirror out in the field one day, and he'd never seen a mirror before. And he picked it up, and he looked, and he sees his reflection. He said, oh, a picture of me pappy. It's me old pappy. I never knew what he looked like, you know. And so he, he, he's looking at that all the way home. He thinks he's found a picture of his pappy. And he takes it home and he, he slips up in the attic and he sits up there and admires it for a long time. And then he puts it away and, and puts it away. And his wife's downstairs. And you think, his wife's wondering, what's he doing up there in that attic all this time? So when he comes down from the attic, his wife goes up there and starts rummaging around. And she finds that mirror. She had never seen one either. And she she gets that mirror and looks at it and she said, so that's the old hag he's been running around with. <laughs> well, glory to God. <laughs> but it shows you the way you are. That's what James is saying this will do. It's a mirror that will show you where you're at. And, and he said, don't just glance at it. Don't just be a, a casual looker. But he said, take some time to gaze in. Look, that word look into the perfect law of liberty means to, to intently gaze. Get your Bible out and study it and analyze it and scrutinize it and let it analyze you and scrutinize you and meditate on it. Amen. Don't just see how much, uh, how many chapters you can read today. I mean, apply it to your life.
life and stare and gaze into it and let the Word of God show you a reflection of who you are and what you are and what needs to be changed about you and let, it, and let you see who you are and what you have in Jesus Christ. It's the mirror, it's the reflective. That's how we receive it, as a reflection. Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he talks about how that we look into that reflection and we're changed from glory to glory as we see ourselves in the Word and the Word reflects the image of Christ into our lives. Amen? Oh, i got to quit, but... In the Old Testament, in the, the tabernacle of Moses, there was several pieces of furniture. There was the brazen altar as you first came in. And then you had the, the tabernacle down at the end, you know, where the holy place and the most holy place was. You had the brazen altar, the tabernacle down there, which had the lampstand, the menorah, had, the, had the, the altar of incense and the table of showbread. Then you went into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. Amen. But there was, there was something between the altar and the tabernacle. Remember what it was? It was a laver. It was the laver. And the laver was made of polished brass. And in, and in uh, Exodus 38 and 8, it said that the laver was made of the looking glasses. The King James says the looking glasses of the women. They're mirrors. They donated their, well, the mirrors that they had were not like the mirrors that we have, but they were, they were brass or copper that was polished so that they could see their self and their reflection in there. And so their looking glasses were donated to make the laver. And the laver was filled with water. And the priests would go to the laver before they went into the holy place. They would go to the laver and they would wash their hands and wash their feet before they went into the holy place. And it was a type of the washing, the, 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 the looking glasses, the laver in its brilliance, its copper of being able to look. When they went to wash, it's filled with fresh, clean water, and they could look in there, and they could see their reflection. They saw themselves. And then they would wash their hands, washing their hands. The hands re represented, re represented their, their life, their doing, what their works were, what they did. They cleansed their works, their doing. They washed their feet, which represented their walk and their lifestyle. Now listen, the blood was shed at the altar. That's where salvation took place. That's the cross. That's where we got saved. But walking from the altar to the laver, they had to stop there. And that was a representation of the washing of the water of the Word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 26, it says that we, that, that, that God, that the Lord Jesus is, is, is perfecting the church and sanctifying the church and cleansing the church by the washing of the water of the Word of God. 
That's our labor, church. That's our, that's our, that's our brazen labor tonight. We've been to the altar. Uh, we've been to the cross. We've been to the brazen altar where the sacrifice was made and the blood was shed. And we've been saved and we've been born again and we've been cleansed and we've been forgiven. But Lord, as we're walking through this world, we get a little dirty here and there just from the influences. We need a cleansing every day. We need to wash our hands and our doings. We need to wash our feet and our walk. Hallelujah. It's got to be clean and pure before the Lord. That's why we need the mirror of the word to show us how we are and where we are so we can wash in the water of the word of God. Can I get an amen? Is anybody getting this tonight? Woo, hallelujah. We got to be clean. Be clean, he said. Holy and clean and pure. Thank God. The Word of God is your bath. You spend some time in the Word. Worship team, you can come on back. 